0: So one month from now, November 19th through 22nd, I will be attending STD Engage. This is a conference put together by the National Coalition of STD Directors, where they are looking for ways to address the rising rates of sexually transmitted infections. If you're someone who has listened to this podcast for a while, you hear all of the unique experiences of people who are living with a wide range of STIs and who have dealt with um, even the curable STIs. And you hear things like partners reinfecting themselves or infecting other partners at, by not finishing their cycles of medications. and So all these numbers that come out all have a story and the story just isn't being told. So this event gives us an opportunity to put those stories out there. and allow us to find a way to reassess how that information is distributed and giving it more truth and sharing the reality and experiences of it. And if you're someone who wants to get involved, you can go to the website www.spfpp.org and you can make a monetary donation via Venmo, PayPal, or you can become a Patreon member for as little as $2.50 per month. And if you're unable to get involved monetarily and you have a story that you're able to share about your experience with chlamydia, syphilis, gonorrhea, trick, or you've dated someone who is positive and you're able to just share your experience with that and just talk about what it's like to have that kind of an experience, that's something that will help us uh, something positive for positive people with being able to expand and present more additional information that is going to be accurate truthful and something that's credible to help us with how those statistics are distributed so that we can get the real narrative behind the quote-unquote rising rates of STIs. I mean, theoretically, the more people we have on the planet who are having sex, the more STIs we're going to have. It's just as simple as that. But as far as the story behind the numbers, I think that there needs to be a lot more detail there. And if we're able to provide real experiences from people, then I have a point in a case to make when I attend STD Engage. So hopefully this event comes out, it turns out very well for us and we're able to make some connections to get these kinds of resources in the hands of people sooner, either prior to them needing it or with them being able to have access to all of the resources that Something Positive for Positive People has come into contact with throughout its development in this space. This podcast is brought to you by Dating Positives, a dating site for people to have positive sexual experiences, whether they have an SCI or not. Dating Positives also sponsors Waxo, W-A-X-O-H, an online magazine that contains sex-positive resources, including posts from me yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) they've been getting a lot of buzz on their awareness campaign hashtag we need a button and for those who are in new york city there will be an event at babeland soho so stay tuned for more details about that and i'll be sure to keep you all updated um on social media as well as in the podcast as you listen to this podcast there are parts where i pause it and then I play it again because I had, I'm had i recovering from some sort of an illness. I don't know what it was. It wasn't the flu. I had a really, really bad cold, sinus infection. I don't know what it was. But right now I'm feeling a lot better. I sound better. And I was just like clearing my throat when our guest was here with me in the closet. And I was doing the hacking and all that kind of stuff just to make myself sound better. So I thought it'd be better for me to just pause it and pick it up Um from where the conversation was leaving off. I think I did a pretty good job of editing it to where you won't notice, but you'll also notice that I don't talk too much here. And fortunately, our guest Heather did a phenomenal job of continuing the conversation. This was someone who, uh, I'll just let you guys listen to the episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please, if you haven't already, leave us a rating and a review on your podcast player. This helps us with getting more people to find this resource we don't have a lot of places to uplift something positive for positive people the stigma keeps people from wanting to share the episodes or even follow me on social media and share that we have any kind of connection at all so i'm so grateful for those who have so far and helped us get to the point that we're at and for those who are going to help take us to the next level so enjoy this episode with heather I'm getting back to a space where I feel comfortable just opening in conversation. And so today's guest is in person. We met on Facebook. You sent me a very, very heartfelt message at a time where I feel like I really needed to see that. There are points in doing this podcast and trying to get people to discover it going on to new spaces and typing up descriptions or bringing up topics to create engagement so that people can become aware of the experiences these people's stories who come on here and just to get people to a space where they're a little bit more informed and i often face a lot of resistance from that or from those platforms given that I'm self-promoting and it comes off as spammy. So it seems like every time I think to myself, I'm going to take a little bit of a step back from something in my process. I get some kind of a notification. And our guest today was someone who (laughs) sent that. I didn't share your message. Um, some things actually are sacred to me. Um, I do get messages from people who say things like thank you or they say really warm things. But to me, this one came at a time where I really needed it. So I want to thank you for that. And I'm so grateful that you're in the area. You were willing to come by here. You're a brave soul coming into <laughs> <laughs> this stranger's apartment live in his closet. I locked the door behind us, so we're stuck here. <laughs> and we're going to get this podcast recorded, whether you like it or not. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Looking forward to it. Uh, so, can we talk about what encouraged you to reach out? Your name's Heather.
1: Here My name's we- Heather. Um, Single white female, 38 years old, newly diagnosed, um, still within my first two months, um, and trying to navigate a new space and a new normal and just struggling with that and resources and trying to find my way. Um, I came across your podcast as a recommendation from um, a member of a group that I joined. And, um, I listened to it at a time that I really needed to hear it. And I come from the mindset where never have people wonder where they stand with you. So I'm really like one of those people that gets in my feelings and has to share it. And I went back and forth for a while. Like, do I reach out? Do I say something? Is that the right thing to do? And I just felt compelled. Like I needed you to know, because in your early episodes, you were saying, if this helps one person, I was that one person. And I think when people are impactful and they make a difference, like, they absolutely need to know it. So, got my thumbs going and sent you a message, and Wait, here we Wait, you are. typed that
0: from your phone? It was so long. I did. Yeah.
1: I, I mastered that art, I guess. Yeah, that was all from my phone, and I just kind of put it out there, and I read it, and I'm like, do I? And I just, I sent it. I was like, I have to.
0: So, if I sound sniffly or anything, it's not <laughs> because I'm crying or getting teary-eyed because of that. I have sinuses right now. <laughs> but, uh... I wouldn't be upset if I did, like, start to have a little tear-jerk reaction because the message was, I mean, you kind of gave me a little bit of a rundown yeah. on your experience. Can you share that with the audience here?
1: Yeah, so um, at the time that um, I encountered your message, I think so many people, when they're newly diagnosed, are trying to navigate and, and figure their way, and there's a lot that comes with that, um, a feeling of isolation and a loss of identity, and I was really struggling with that. Um, For me, I was in a super dark place, so I guess I can kind of take you a little bit through my history that leads to that. Um, I have um, autoimmune disorders, so I have Crohn's disease, and then I also have connective tissue disease, so I take immunosuppressors. I'm very well controlled. I do well. I function normally, and it's something that I don't even have to think about. Um, I don't take pain medicine. I just function relatively normally, Um, but with the onset of this, I had to stop a lot of my medications because of like kind of the assault on the immune system, and I was in really rough shape. Aside from the outbreak, just like not doing well, pain, my body was kind of going through this sort of withdrawal from the immunosuppressors that I had, and it just went into hyperdrive. And um, I was in the ER a few times and got pain medicines, and one day I just couldn't get ahead of it, and I was taking Percocet, and I took one, and I waited the three hours, and I took another, and then I had had four. And um, I got into the bathtub and it was the only place I felt really comfortable. If you have an outbreak, you know sometimes that can help. Um, and I laid back on my back and slipped into the water and I felt the water come up over my face and into my nose and I didn't try to get myself up. And I literally thought to myself, like, this is how I die. Like, it's it's been enough. Like, I've, I've been through a lot. Like, this is really hard. And of all the things that are, like, inherently me, I've lost them. And... I don't know what happened or why, but I snapped myself out of it and I'm so glad I did. But then at that point, like I knew, to, knew that, like, I needed a community, like I needed something.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of things. What's Crohn's disease?
1: Um, it's essentially where your body like tries to attack your bowels, and you can have necrotic bowels and issues with going to the bathroom, and it's a horrible illness, and I've had surgery to remove large portions of my intestines, um, and it's just an immune response, an inflammatory disease of the bowels, essentially.
0: Got it. What's been your health history, mental health history prior to... Your diagnosis, where you found yourself having to stop taking your medications, and you just ended up in the bathtub, ready to I've let go. I've
1: never really had issues. I will admittedly say I'm a little OCD with like cleanliness and germs and working in healthcare. But aside from that, I'm a very positive person. Like I am the person who finds the silver lining in everything, and I've never questioned why me. And I just take things as they come. And um, it surprised those closest to me when I confided in them with you know kind of where I was at in that headspace. Um, because I don't have a history of that, and that's completely uncharacteristic of me.
0: Mm-hmm. Would you say it was the medication that brought this on, or was it your diagnosis?
1: I think it was all things combined. Um, it was a gravity that I had never felt or experienced before, and it was heavy. And trying to figure out how to navigate, and at that time, like I was pretty isolated. Um, I hadn't shared with um, my friends and those people closest to me um, so it was, I think all things combined, it was just really tough, you know, and then you're like forced in these situations where you're in the emergency room and you're having to disclose to all these people that come in, everything that's going on with you and you get the looks. I don't know if you've ever seen it or felt it or had it. And maybe some of it is in my head, but it was just really dejecting.
0: It's like a deer in the headlights look, I think yeah. is what you're describing when right. you tell someone herpes and they go. Like, their eyes get big and their face drop back. Like, if they were a cartoon character, they'd have to pick their jaw (laughs) up off the floor.
1: And I will be honest, I have not finessed it whatsoever in my communication of it. I'm a blurter. I'm just like, so I have herpes, Mm -hmm. and this could be part of, you know. Mm -hmm. So I need to probably polish that a little bit.
0: Oh, it's okay. We'll get better at it. (laughs) I find that talking through it, even this way, just having a conversation with someone so openly, it, it flexes this muscle that tends to get a little bit stronger, like, once you recover from the fatigue from this, like, whoa, that was a really heavy conversation. Once you recover, the muscle gets a little bit more strong and resistant to those thoughts of, oh, my God, when am I going to tell this person? How am I going to talk about it? How do I feel about it? So,
1: I think I'm still in those early stages, you know, I mean, because it's still really, really new. And for me, like, I was in a relationship. And when we were doing things what I felt to be, like, the right way and kind of uncharacteristic for me. Um, We waited four weeks before we were ever intimate with one another, Um, and we were in this kind of a safe space, and then it happened, so I'll talk a little bit about that if that's okay. So, um, for me, when it presented, because my immune system is in the state that it's in with the immune suppressors, I was really vulnerable, and I felt like I was getting a bladder infection or a UTI or something of that nature, like I didn't feel right. I had a fever, and I was achy, and I remember um, it was the week before my birthday, going out with my girlfriends, and just not feeling great, you know, and feeling like something was off, and I communicated to my boyfriend, I'm like, I think I have a UTI, like, I think something's going on, and then um, you start to rationalize, like, well, maybe it's a yeast infection, or maybe it's something else, and then, you know, you're going to the restroom, and it burns, so finally, I decided, like, I'm going to look. You know, so I did, like, the whole Captain Morgan stance with the mirror and a flashlight. And I'm checking things out, trying to see, like, what is happening here. And I saw just one isolated blister. And I was like, well, you know, maybe it was from rough sex or maybe it's a, a yeast infection. I try to rationalize. So I reach out to my boyfriend. like, hey, how's your penis? Like, are you good? Like, this is going on, and I'm a little concerned about it. And um, we kind of talked about it. I was like, well, I'm going to make an appointment on Monday to go see my GYN just to get things checked out. And literally less than 24 hours later, like, I felt like my vagina had been dipped in a deep fryer. I had blisters. It was horrific, and I knew something was really wrong uh, at that point. And I went to my doctor, and she's like, let's not make assumptions. You know, let's treat with what we suspect. Let's get you Valtrex. Let's get that going, and um, we'll see kind of where we are in a few days. Cultures, blood work, all this stuff. And um, I remember a few days after taking it, the Valtrex like started to feel better. So then I knew like, this is what we're dealing with. Um, and it was the Friday before my birthday. And you know, normally when you get tests done, you're like waiting for the results anxiously and you want to hear them and you want to know, like, I didn't, I was like, please just let me get through, (laughs) let me get through the weekend and I'll find out next week, but let me just cling to normal for just a little bit longer. And I had almost escaped the entire day, and it was, like, 4.40 p.m. I was in my car driving home, and I remember, like, looking at the clock, and then the phone rang, and it was my gynecologist, and here we are, HSV-2. Um, And it was a gut punch, for sure.
0: When you heard it, you were in your car? I was. Uh, How did they deliver the news?
1: She just told me. Like she just put it out there and I think part of it too. So in my mind, I, I kind of knew. So when I scheduled my appointment, I scheduled it as like, I think I have herpes or something going on down there. Um, and I had managed an OBGYN clinic for seven years, you know, I work in healthcare. Um, so I wasn't a stranger to those types of issues and symptoms and concerns. So, Uh, I also was leveraging resources that I'm familiar with. I wasn't just going to Google and getting on WebMD. I was going to, like, the um, uh, ACOG websites and CDC and things of that nature. Like, I was trying to figure out, like, anything that it could be other than what it was. Um, But she just told me, and um, she was going to send in. I take the daily um, just to avoid. She's like, I'm going to send in a prescription for you for that, and then... um, the, uh, lidocaine gel for the pain symptoms to mask some of that. And so wait, what's that? It's, it's like a numbing agent. So it's oh, like a no. lidocaine gel and you can apply it right to the sore and it helps to numb it in the last like four hours. It, it I mean, it helps immensely. So she was taking all those steps for me and it was just really a matter of fact. Um, and I remember getting off the phone and I was like, okay, my history, you know, working in healthcare, like I know what this means and, um, I know how to navigate some things in life with this, but I don't know how to live with it. You know, like I don't know how to apply this to me because this changes so much. Um, And I think I was kind of a little disappointed as far as resources and things that were available or that were communicated. And I don't know if it was my position that made her feel like she didn't need to do that. Um, But it was tough. So like you automatically like, okay, where do I go from here, right?
0: You sound like you do this. Like, you're very comfortable (laughs) and just very matter-of-fact and going through this story for someone who was just so recently diagnosed and talking through this.
1: Yeah, no, um, so I train. And um, I present to people all the time in front of audiences, and sometimes it's for tough crowds. So um, I have become very um, comfortable with speaking, and I love stories. So anytime I train on a concept, I like tying it to real-life events and making things personal. So I'm not out of my comfort zone in talking about myself.
0: (laughs) Perfect. You mentioned earlier that there was a loss of identity. Yes. What was your identity, and what changed after your diagnosis?
1: I am a planner, And I have things, like, outlined as far as how things um, should go and expectations for myself.
0: Waiting four weeks to be intimate (laughs) with (laughs) someone. That wasn't
1: even on me. Like, now in hindsight, I'm like, "Mm," you know. But, um, yeah, it's just... I'm, I'm very calculated in things, and I'm thoughtful, and I'm not impulsive. Um, so all of these things that I kind of, like, identify as myself have been thrown out the window because it's just nothing feels normal anymore. I feel like I'm starting from ground zero, and I feel lost, you know? Um, just little things, like even, like, I was going to pick up carry out for my birthday. I was, like, treating myself that Friday night. And even just going into the restaurant to pick up my food, and somebody says hi to me, and, like, it's a gentleman, and I'm all of a sudden, like you know, like pump the brakes here. Like these organic encounters no longer feel innocent and it feels somewhat tainted. It's just, everything feels different, you know? Um, so yeah, I think that was like a big loss of self. And with the relationship, I had stepped out of my comfort zone. Like I'm not a relationship person. Like that's, I'm very independent. I don't rely on other people. And with this, all of a sudden I felt like this sort of neediness if that makes sense like to feel like validated and to feel normal and to not have this change things for me because it felt like it had completely like with one phone call I felt like my life was turned upside down and for being a person who never asks why me you know just take the cards that you're dealt and deal with them um I was in that position where like I just didn't get it
0: Mm -hmm. did you tell your partner
1: I did and probably not in the best way possible. <laughs> so again, with that impulse of like need to work on this thing, I was like, I have fucking herpes. Like, this is where I'm at. And um, he was really good about it. He was like, you know, I'm going to study up on this. I'm, I'm going to learn about this. You know, you are still you. Um, but what he didn't understand, and I think kind of like our downfall a little bit, was that I had gotten it from him. And it's often hard to say that. Um, but with my immune system and the way that my symptoms presented with body aches, fever, um, the blisters, and then essentially having like a second round outbreak, like right consecutive to the first one. Um, my gynecologist said, I never say to people, you know, this is where you got it from. She's like, but 98%, this is where you got it from. Mm -hmm. So I try to approach that with him. Like I try to be diplomatic, you know, I always try to see the good in people. So I took the stance that, you know, if he had it, he didn't know. Right. So it's an opportunity to educate, to have him get tested, to figure out where he was at in his status, and then how do we mitigate risk moving forward. Because I was tested for everything, and even though things have come back, you're also then handed this, well, but you've got to come back in a few months to check because there's time frames that it can take for things to show up. Um, so we navigated this space alone for the better part of a week, and he was really great about it, extremely supportive, um, but we'd have conversations about, like, you need to go checked. Like we have to figure out where you're at. This is important. Um, and when I really put the pressure on that, um, he was resistant. So I kind of backed off a little bit. Um, and then I got a message from him one day out of the blue, like, I really want to be close to you. And I flipped my shit (laughs) like, and that's uncharacteristic of me, but I was like, that's not happening until we know where you are. Like, I don't know if you understand the gravity of this situation and this is life altering. And if you're not in the same position that I am, we need to know that and if you are we need to understand that as well and then what other things are we dealing with here um and then he ghosted so i mean we're talking like social media blackout you know like blocking me on text messages and that's kind of where it was so that part for me was minor like i navigated that piece of it really well like i'm not somebody who needs somebody but ultimately like in that space, like, I, one, realized that, um, you know, especially in having conversations with others now within the community, that he probably knew um, that there's a good chance that he probably knew beforehand, but what is he doing now? You know, even if he didn't, since I have made him aware, and he, in conversation, had said, well, you have it, so I probably do now, too, you know, we'll deal with that as it comes, but... You know, um, is he mitigating his risk? Is he communicating? Is he disclosing? Is he doing this to somebody else? And has he done it before? That's my biggest concern. Mm -hmm. It's not about him or even me. What's done is done. Like, you can't go back from this, right? There's no miracle cure. Um, This is where I'm at. And I just have to navigate and figure out the best way possible to live with this. But at the same time, people deserve to have a choice. And I find with so many that most people are deprived of that opportunity. And I don't know why that's the case. Um, I think a lot of people probably don't know their status or they dismiss things. They, you know, chalk it up to something else. In my research, I was really surprised to find that the CDC doesn't actually recommend that people get tested for it. So to me, that was a little alarming. So when you go to the doctor and you're like, test me for everything, you're not. You know, you're getting tested for a very small portion of the STIs and STDs that exist out there. So you don't always know where you stand. So that, to me, was a little concerning. Um, But, yeah, it's it's just trying to figure out and navigate and put some of that behind you and move forward.
0: It's really gut-wrenching that a person would take so much time, get to know you. Mm -hmm. And I imagine that you communicated a lot leading up to the, before a week. And that was on him. Like, that was... His idea. Right. To really get to know you before you became Absolutely. intimate. That's weird that once you decided that maybe we should get to figure out what else there is here. Right. That's when he just disappeared. I know. Were I there know. any red flags?
1: There really weren't. I mean, I'm not that I can see in hindsight. Like, and I have dissected and tried to pick things apart as much as I could because, you know, you you try to figure out, like, how did I not see this coming, Right. Um, but no, I mean, there really weren't in hindsight, whenever I told him that I was having some symptoms and not feeling the greatest, you know, he was, you know, we're going to become closer. Like, you know, I'm, I'm really laying things on thick in terms of our relationship and our future and where things were headed. But for me, that was like, you're not making me feel any better. Like, this is not what I need right now. Um, But no, I mean, there really weren't. He was nervous before we had sex the first time. Like, he was in a different headspace about it than I was, for sure. Like, overthinking things a little bit, like being really cautious. And in hindsight, right, you think those were the red flags, probably. Um, But to me, I thought we were just doing things the right way.
0: You said you're not a relationship person and that you're very independent. So I can understand why letting this go wasn't really a big deal for you. But what did that mean for you? Like, what's not a relationship person? Like, I understand you're independent,
1: but... Yeah. Um, So I don't ever put the key to my happiness in someone else's pocket so for me it's always about you know um, having a strong sense of self having a good support system friends and family will always come first um, it's about having somebody that adds to your life I think is really important so from that aspect to me I'd rather like choose happiness over being a part of something so it's not settling it's not being driven or motivated by being a part of a couple it's just not a priority for me and I mean that in the best way possible it's not that um, i look down on people that have them or even need that because everybody's different but for me i've just found my happiness and my life is very fulfilled with friendships and family and the other stuff is just kind of a bonus when that's available.
0: oh okay so dating wise you weren't looking for this to happen did it just happen or... it,
1: it really did just kind of happen um and it was, like, one of those things where you kind of think, like, okay, when you're not looking for it, it's when it smacks you in the face kind of thing. Um, and it caught me off guard, and it caught my friends off guard. They are like, who is this person, you know? Like, I had become a part of something. Um, and it was different for me. Um, and I honestly, in hindsight, I wouldn't go back and change it um, because it's really changed my perspective on a lot of things and kind of positioned me in a better place, I think, moving forward from here.
0: What would you learn?
1: Um, I learned um, that no matter how cautious or careful you are, there's always risk, and sometimes they're worth it, Um, and that you have to take chances and put yourself out there and be vulnerable. And I know that sounds really messed up in light of, like, the hand that I've been dealt, but at the same time, for me, it's like, you know, you take all these, like, calculated risks, and and you live within these boundaries, And, and what for? Um, So, for me, it's um, allowed me the opportunity to take greater chances to put myself out there in some ways that I haven't. Just little things. Um, You know, I think about, like, whenever I go to, like, Edison's with my friends and we're playing games and stuff like that. I've always kind of been in perspective where I've worried about what people thought about me. I can't. I love playing basketball, but I'm terrible. And now it's just, like, I don't care. Um, And for me, it's just, like, navigating that, like, in the grand scheme of things, like, some things are so minor like getting upset about things and trying to exert control and having a plan what's the value in that you know and and being so rigid sometimes like what happens happens um and you just kind of have to go with it i think
0: so you went from being diehard planner this was your identity contracted herpes and what was it? Within two months ago, right?
1: Yeah, not Happy even two belated
0: birthday! Yet. By Thank the way, you. <laughs> and
1: I want to redo on my birthday for sure. <laughs> oh, uh, for
0: real, uh, fast Eddie's.
1: Oh yeah, there you go. There you go. Coldest beer in town.
0: <laughs> but you go from die hard planner to whatever happens happens. Like go with the flow.
1: Yeah, and I won't say that that's always been a good thing though. I will say my friends have express concerns every now and then about some of it. Because I think, you know, too, with getting into a place where it becomes healthy, you also take risks that maybe you shouldn't. Um, and I don't want to portray this like it's been all sunshine and roses and I went from the bathtub to shooting hoops. Like, that's not been my transition, like, whatsoever.
0: But what's the, what has the transition been?
1: Um, in that moment for me, like, when I came out of that and I realized, one, I didn't want my parents to find me that way, and two, like, I still had so much going on for myself and I couldn't just stop there. Um, I honestly ordered every self-help book that I could find on Amazon. Like, I'm surprised they didn't do a wellness check on me. Like, you good? (laughs) Like, are we okay here? Um, I was Googling, like, trying to find support systems and and what that looks like. And I found positive singles. Um, and I created a profile just for the sake of trying to find friendships. And to me, that opened a lot of doors. Um, you know, as great as my friends are. and, And after that time period, when I figured out that I had been ghosted, was when I first disclosed to my best friend. Um, And then from there, I I told, you know, three other people, really close friends. Um, So having that, you know, people to talk to has been helpful. But they don't get it, right? They're not in your shoes. and, And there's something that is missing with that. Because they can express to you, well, you know, things haven't changed. You're still you. You know, you still have so much to look forward to. But until you've been in that position and you've been handed that diagnosis, you don't really have a right to say a lot of those things to people. So... Um, I reached out to Positive Singles and um, I created a profile and I started connecting with people just on a friendship level. And I put that out there, like looking for friends anywhere, you know, um, hearing other people's stories and connecting with people that get it. Um, Somebody local who actually, you know, is like, hey, do you know there's resources and private groups and things that you can join Um, and you can connect with people that understand But just even sharing those stories, I think, has been really helpful. And not even so much talking, but listening. Um, And when I joined one of the local um, Facebook groups, the person who was an admin that I was communicating with was like, if you're newly diagnosed, you have to check out this podcast. She's like, it's fantastic for people who are just learning to navigate. Um, And honestly, for me, listening to those was like the pivotal moment for me because I had done everything that I felt like I needed to, and I had found resources, but there are things that you hold back on. Like, there are people that I've been communicating with since I was really early diagnosed, like, through positive singles initially that have transitioned outside of that that don't know the whole story, um, and listening to the stories, and you talked very candidly about people wanting to end their lives and feeling, like, in a dark place, and, um, for me, like, Listening to those podcasts, whether I'm running or doing dishes or just driving in the car, like I felt like I had somebody who had a right to call me out on some of the destructive behaviors, but at the same time, make me feel supported. Um, and that's why I reached out to you. I didn't
0: make her say this, by the way. <laughs> no. This isn't written down or anything like no, that. No,
1: not at all. But that's what it felt like to me. And I was, like, super pumped. I called my best friend. Like, I found this podcast, and it is so helping me. And hearing people's stories. And even people that have different walks of life from me and hearing their stories. And people who, like, can say that they were in a place where they didn't know how to navigate it. And they're okay, Like there, And that to me means so much, right? Because at the end of the day, you just want to see a light at the end of the tunnel. You just want to know that you can make it through. And there are times where I don't question that. And then there are times where it seems a little less certain, you know, where it's challenging. Um, But if you have a friendly voice that you can listen to and someone who speaks from, like, their own experiences and owns it and, and wears it proudly, like, that to me is super comforting.
0: Thank you. I really appreciate that. That was so kind of you.
1: (laughs) It's the truth, though.
0: It's really challenging to find these resources. I mentioned that it took me five years to find any of the support groups uh, to even know that there were dating sites for people who were living with STIs. And when I got there, I was like, whoa, this is really exciting. It felt like I just discovered like a hidden theme park or something because now (laughs) I have a place that I can just be, be myself, enjoy myself, have fun, and really communicate with people who just got it, like you Mm -hmm. mentioned. And then I get there and I'm seeing so many people are just depressed. and sad and upset about the way life has been and I've come to realize that it's not all the herpes the herpes is basically the icing on the cake or the final thing that gets swept under a rug until you trip over it and now you have to pay attention to everything that's been under that space that's what it's become um, to me when I talk to people, like I look at them and or I have the conversation with them, and all of this other stuff comes up. So for you, what I'm getting right now is that there wasn't really anything else. You were very self-sufficient. You allowed something new to emerge in terms of a relationship, and you hadn't historically been a relationship person. So has contracting herpes and having the experiences that you've had after that really brought anything up that may have been there that you hadn't paid attention to before
1: i would say no i mean i i don't think so um i think just being you know just learning to appreciate that no matter how careful you are nothing is guaranteed right so taking chances putting yourself out there those are things that i'm slowly kind of learning um I still blindly give people trust and um, see the good in people, but I will say, like, I have a new sort of scale on which I gauge my interactions from, like, I hope they never find out I have herpes to, like, guess what? I have herpes. And that's like my new range of like how people, I, I love them close to me or I invest my time in them. Um, so for me, that's been kind of life altering. Like, you know, you you really evaluate your friendships and you know, who's going to be there for you and, and who you trust and like letting in that circle. And to me that has narrowed, I think my inner circle quite a bit in a way that I'm okay with. Um, so that's been eye opening for me, I think. But Aside from that, no, I mean, not really. Um, I think initially I struggled with um, some really destructive behaviors. So, I remember going out with my girlfriend one night, my best friend, um, and I like beer. I'm not going to hold back on that. I do. Um, But just binge drinking one night, and within like an hour and a half, she's like, yeah, this isn't happening. We are going home. Um, And just realizing the next day, like, yeah, that wasn't probably the right thing to do. Like, that doesn't mask anything. And now I feel like, crap, and I have this to deal with on top of it. So, um, and then initially, too, I think I kind of felt like I have to feel validated. One, I felt like I needed to get my ex out of my system because this was somebody that I had let in. And then what happened happened, and I just didn't want that to be, like, the last thing that I remembered so I did through like the positive single thing meet up with somebody and um it was nice for me because I realized like the things that existed before in the dating world aren't magically cured because you have herpes like it's not a like a fix for it like it's still there and it still exists so in some ways that was comforting like things aren't that different in this dating world
0: people are still people <laughs> let's right. just say it that way people will still do peopley things despite where you meet them and Absolutely. what their diagnosis is
1: and I met someone that I I clicked with and and we got along well. and then he got a little weird like controlling and like hey are you still on the app and like why are you t-? I'm like I'm making friends and I'm networking and like building this community of people that I understand um and for me it was kind of like you know I don't have to put up with this. Like I'm not lesser than because I have this diagnosis. So this doesn't change independent me and somebody who doesn't need to be a part of that. Like you don't now all of a sudden have to become this and put up with these things. Like th- this is not you and, and you're not going to adjust to this just because you've been handed this diagnosis. So for me, that was also reassuring. Like I'm still in there, you know, like I don't have to tell like her. I still
0: this. got it. Right. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Like I, I don't have to put up with this. And um, so I think that's been reassuring. There's a lot of things that are still, normal. Um, But I wouldn't say that I'm in a position where I don't think about it every day. Like I'm still in that stage, I think, where I think about it or I'll be in a position like, I wonder if like they know or like, I wonder if they're like the other one in seven. Like, you know, I find myself kind of gauging things like that. Um, So it's not forgotten about, but I definitely feel better every day about the position that I'm in.
0: Awesome. That was very well worded. I like it because um, I like that we have that option available to us that we're able to go into a space where we can sort of get our groove back. Right. <laughs> Being able to connect with other people that we don't have to worry about this conversation with because it will weigh on you.
1: Absolutely, and I I don't think, and I don't know if it's my healthcare background. I'm not sure what it is, but for me, um, I don't see myself dating outside of this community like I don't I know that sounds really weird but so for me like one of my things as terrible at dating as I have been historically I will say I always believe like that you leave people better than you found them and with this even giving the opportunity to make an informed decision I don't know that I could do this to someone else and I know that sounds horrible
0: are you scared of commitment
1: I mean, a little bit. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You read that. Oh Yeah. Yeah. Well, the
0: independence and then like the, I think, um, I don't know, like I'm picking up on there just maybe being a sense of guilt if you were to pass this on to somebody because it is early in your diagnosis. So if you are to date someone who you meet out in the wild or whatever and you find out that they don't have herpes, like you're more likely to have that sense in the back of your mind. Like, ah, am I really worthy of this relationship? But that's not what I get from you. Right. So for you, it has to be, ah, I don't want to get this person herpes. And it's as simple as that.
1: I don't want to do that to somebody else. And that was kind of the space I was navigating with my ex, too. It's like, we have to know where you are. Because although they say, you know, most likely, you know, you are the source, we have to know, right? Um, Because I don't think I would have been able to do that even continuing on that relationship how we found out otherwise. Um, It's really about leaving people better than you found them. And I think that with this, I don't know that I would feel like I've done that.
0: Mm. That's a very, very unique perspective to put that in. I hadn't heard it that way, but I get it. I get why there are people who choose to only date within the community because that weighs on you. But are you open to it, though?
1: you know, I don't know that I'm open to much right now. I think I am really trying to navigate my own space and figure this out and just be comfortable with saying it and owning it. And I think I've come a long way in the two short months. Um, I just, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what that looks like in the future. Um, I don't think you ever say no to anything. I mean, I always say I'll try anything twice. I don't know where that would twice. apply. <laughs> because you can't tell the first time. you got to do it twice. All right. <laughs> but I feel like I would have to just kind of see what happened. And I, I do really dread that conversation. You know, the disclosing, the... I mean, I, with my friends, like, I'm going to people that, like, love me regardless and have been through so much with me and by my side. So there was no, like question of what the response would be with that and i just don't know if i could do that with a different audience i think that's probably comes in time but i'm not there yet
0: and i kind of feel like i just might have shamed people a little bit for choosing to only date within the community and i want to make that clear that i'm not saying that i want people to understand that there are options i know that we're we all become at certain levels Uh, We level up or level through our diagnosis to where we may only feel comfortable with telling certain people that we have herpes or we may choose to avoid a particular type of person or person altogether in sharing our diagnosis with them. So I'm completely wanting to just clear that up before we move on because, I mean, I've, I've been there. I mean, I've not wanted to tell other people and once I found out that there were options available for me to meet people who I didn't have to worry about this particular conversation with it really opened me up to being able to like I said earlier just I mean be able to explore the possibilities of a new different kind of relationship so for you has your dating life changed has your sex life changed now that you are exclusively dating people within the community do you find that you have an abundance of options or what
1: so um it's been interesting Navigating it, and I've kind of gone back and forth to where I feel like I'm at and what kind of space I'm in to where I truly am. And it's a little bit of a struggle, and I'm still trying to kind of work through that. I have gone on a couple of dates from people um, from positive singles, um, and it's been interesting um it's obviously not been good matches i think for me but um i enjoyed the opportunity to sit down and candidly speak with people about their experiences and where they're at and kind of where they see themselves going and how they're navigating it um and many of which have been in this club much longer than i have so their insight is really valuable and and helpful um i actually so oddly enough, and I'm, I'm still working through this, so we may have to follow up on this. But um, I met somebody on Positive Singles as just a friend, um, someone who lives 13,000 miles away. Um, and we've been communicating since my first day on there. And we have common interests like hiking and running. Uh, and we've talked a lot. Um, so we actually have plans to meet in two weeks from today um, in Denver. So I don't. I'm, I feel like physically I'm going, but mentally I'm on the fence. Um, part of it is just I think when something like this happens and you're given this diagnosis from somebody that you let in and you trust and you're completely and totally blindsided by it, I think something happens to your ability to trust people. And I don't want to say that I'm jaded or that I now have baggage or trust issues, but maybe. I think I might. I think that's definitely a possibility.
0: You think you have trust issues and you're meeting up with someone who lives 13,000 miles away in another state where you don't know anyone, I'm assuming? Listen,
1: my friends have had interventions about this. Like, they are not in a good place. Like, my best friend was very upset, and she was like, I don't want to see you on Dateline. I can't just get in the car and come get you. Like, this isn't like that, you know? Like, you're going to be really far away. Um, but I feel like there's outs, you know? I mean, I, I can navigate it if I have to. So,
0: I have flown to New York i flew someone to st louis i have planned trips that didn't work out for other reasons so i have from experience that there is a level of trust that comes right. with it. me being as massive as i am being a male i am at a much lower risk of any violence occurring towards me right. and for me like even with like having you here i've had other guests come on, uh, come in to meet me in person and we've done these podcast recordings, but I can't say that I would fly out for a romantic partner if I were, if I were to have any sort of like safety concerns, but I say all of that to say this, there is a certain level of trust that you receive by default for having this commonality, our diagnosis, and I associated with it being a level of vulnerability that you just... Didn't have access to before. Do you find that to be true?
1: You know, I I will say to some extent. I think so because there is a vulnerability in owning your story and sharing that. And and this person and I have had very long and lengthy conversations. And uh, so, to some extent, yes. But going into this, like we started with this friendship, and just recently, since we planned the trip, like things have kind of evolved. And we're starting to talk about, like, the what-ifs and the things that could happen. And I find myself in a space where I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. So um, I've tried to kind of navigate the conversation. We talked last night. Actually, we were talking about me coming here today and what that was going to look like and how I was feeling about it. And I was talking about, you know, my current status and, you know, following up with my GYN and where things are. And that I still technically don't know. I don't have, like, a, a full, like, clear report card um, until another month because of the timeframes in which things can evolve. So I don't know that I'm necessarily 100% safe. I mean, I, I would like to think that I am, but I have to be honest about that. And then, too, just how do I know for sure what you're bringing to the table? You know, I, I, I know that you say you get tested, and I think there's a responsibility that a lot of people within the community feel. Like, even on forums, I see, like, the 10-panel testing, and those are the first times I've heard those terms before, and I think it's important to know that. But yes, we have common ground. But is it enough? And and is it something where I would just go and say, "Oh, okay," because we both have it. Like let's just throw down. Like I mean, we're here. Why not? You know. So this is the planner
0: in you reemerging.
1: <laughs> I guess a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I guess a little bit, but, um, yeah, I just, I'm trying to like navigate that space. And I think anytime you go to something with high expectations or you think things are going to happen or go a certain way, like you set people up for failure, right? When you have all these like high expectations of how things are going to go and what it's going to be like, I think that creates an uncomfortable space to begin with. So I'm more like, that's not plan it that's not have expectations if we get there and we vibe and things are good and things happen like let's just see what happens organically but i don't want it to feel like a plan uh, you know to some extent like i don't want to feel like there's an expectation of we're going to get there and, and we're going to be intimate because i i i don't know that that's the case
0: i was going to say someone expects that if you I fly know, like right? i cannot think of a time where that <laughs> hasn't been discussed and expected and
1: it's coming up more. It's coming up more and more as we get closer to the date. And I'm I'm kind of sort of like trying to pump the brakes at the same time I'm trying to be open to it but uh, I don't know, I I don't know so I think again, like physically I'm going but mentally I'm still on the fence and I know that I can cancel plans up to the day before so I just have to feel like I'm in the right space and I do heed the things that my friends have said to me and things that I've listened to in the podcast about like disruptive behaviors and just being careful about how you're handling and navigating and I want to make sure this is for the right reason.
0: Yeah that's really good, I'm glad that you said that going into it intentionally and identifying what those intentions are with the other person definitely helps but no matter how often or how much you speak to someone video chat text whatever being in their presence allows for you to pick up on things that they may not necessarily have put mm-hmm. out there because on the internet we can be whoever it is Absolutely. that i want you to believe i am if we're texting i have time to google things look stuff up and um really think thoroughly about how i'm going to respond and i may not be the best speller, I may not be the most witty, so I can present that to you. So these are just things to watch out for, you know, if you're someone who plans on meeting someone that you um, met online from across the world, 13,000 miles away, (laughs) and you're going to meet up in person, these are things to just look out for. So. please whatever you do keep yourself safe right for sure and i don't necessarily know what that looks like and i'm so sorry that i don't have (laughs) like i wish i should had like a 10 point plan for you but (laughs) um let people know where you are
1: that's what we do now like but like if i go out to eat i'm like i'm meeting this person you're gonna call me in 10 minutes for an emergency check-in if i need an out here we go you lose that luxury when it requires a flight right a little bit um so i don't know i mean we'll see i'm he's definitely been a big support to me throughout this and kind of navigating it and with very little expectation initially. So I don't know. I don't know. What was
0: the clicking point from where it went? All right, I'm looking for friends. He knows you're looking for friends. Oh, we have all these common interests and now all of a sudden you're meeting up without yeah, expectations. I know, right? Air quotes.
1: So yeah, um, it really bizarrely, like I took a break, um, off of positive singles for like a week and a half. And I popped back on, he was like... Oh, he went crazy. He's like, hey, where'd you go? Like, he's like, don't do that with us, like, touching, without, like, touching base and having a way to connect beforehand. Was it,
0: hey, where'd you go? I missed you. Or was it, where'd you go?
1: No. (laughs) (laughs) If it was the where'd you go, I'd have been like, I'm gone again. Well,
0: we lose that kind of context in text, though. So, maybe he wasn't freaking out and being controlling or
1: maybe. It could be, you never know, right? <laughs> All those things are implied and some of it's like in the eye of the beholder and how you read it. And I have that positive spin on things. So it's possible that I interpreted in a way that, yeah, it wasn't intended. But um, we um, transitioned our friends on um, Instagram and Facebook and kind of, um, you know, integrated into our lives a little bit there. We have some common things as far as like our scope of work and things that we do. So we connected on that and just touch base on like computer applications and things of that nature. And we've just talked a lot. And at some point, it was like, I'm going to where he lives in March um, on a scheduled trip with a girlfriend. And it was like, well, while we're there, we should touch base. And, you know, if nothing else, you just be friends. But, like, we should stay connected. And then it was like, well, why don't we go somewhere? You know, let's – he's like, you can come here. And I was like, eh, I like the idea of oh, neutral ground. wait.
0: So it's like you two are meeting now and maybe when your trip in March comes up, you have a connection. You have somewhere yeah. that you can stay and maybe you can – help with planning activities and you can see each other. Right. Okay. Right.
1: So, yeah, so very innocently, but it's kind of evolved a little bit. And I think, too, having been called out by my friends a little bit, now I'm looking at it in a different way. Before it was like, I'm just going. Like, what are you talking about? It's a vacation. Like, who cares? Like, I can do anything for a couple days. Like, it'll be fine.
0: I wonder if that's an unconscious thing or if that's a conscious thing where you're, like, um, intentionally pushing out the possibilities. Of what could happen versus being direct and like, no, it's my intention to go in here without any expectations. Whatever happens, happens. Yeah, it's just vacation. That's what I'm considering it to be.
1: I think I'm navigating the conversations with him carefully Um, to some extent. Like, we talked about this and he was like, oh, I'd love to listen to him. Like, "Ah." There's some things like that we haven't discussed just yet that we'll have to see how that goes. And, you know, if I want to share this with you at some point, then maybe we'll do that. But
0: you want me to hold off posting this for no, two No, not at all. <laughs> you,
1: you go right ahead. I didn't even tell him the name of it. So
0: <laughs> anyone who just part. searches Herpes Podcast will find this. <laughs> but he, he wouldn't know.
1: He assured me today when. that he wasn't going to search for that he would leave it up to me so i mean whether or not that's true you know if well, not i going to ta- hey. i can i can figure
0: it out i'll tell you how like I, we can talk <laughs> about that
1: later <laughs> i think some of it i i think i do like toggle that line between like being present and very aware of situations and what i'm putting myself into and then just kind of like romanticizing some things a little bit about you know What's going to happen and how that's going to be. And I don't know. Like, I could honestly tell you that I could, you know, the day before decide I'm not going to go. Uh, and I don't know that I'll know until I'm there. It's kind of one of those things I just kind of have to play it out. And this is part of me, too, stepping outside of my comfort zone a little bit, like taking chances and, you know, willing to take risks. Um, I just hope it's not as big of a risk as I think it could be.
0: I'll be honest from, you know, just how I feel in sitting here with you now and how you're presenting yourself. I feel like you're a pretty good judge of character and you wouldn't put yourself in a life-threatening situation knowingly like no one would. But you don't strike me as anyone who would ignore the red flag. So um, I hope you enjoy yourself and (laughs) you make it and you have an awesome story to tell.
1: Right let's so, hope so yeah. I mean nothing else I'm going to the zoo so that won't be a disappointment right there's penguins so oh, nice. <laughs> I
0: know uh, 13,000 miles away what continent are we talking about here
1: uh, um no he's here in the United States did I say thirteen thousand? yeah that's wait hold on I'd have to google it
0: oh uh, yeah you said 13,000
1: right. I think it is 13,000 miles is it said maybe 1,300 <laughs> <laughs> I'm bad at math <laughs> now he knows exactly who I am 1300 miles is that right now i have to google it that's all right damn, th- where's phoenix 13, so that's where it oh my goodness phoenix. yeah that's cl-
0: that's more 1300 <laughs> i was thinking damn australia like yeah. that's, that's as far as i could go i'm exaggerating it's oh. <laughs>
1: like 21 hour
0: car drive uh but i also google everybody too so there, there's a good starting point for you <laughs> mm-hmm. um there's covered a lot i think that there's covered everything that i mean your entire story and i like when i get a chance to hear stories for the first time like you wrote out a good chunk but we got into some stuff that i didn't expect us to get into so i appreciate you being so open and transparent and sharing your experience here um even the dark stuff Yeah, I I don't know how hard that was for you.
1: It it's it's not easy, but at the same time, like I have to own it, Um, and at some extent, like my best friend said, yeah, but you got yourself up, right? So to me, that was a small victory and just a reminder that like I can be that low, and and still keep going. Um, So I think for me, like that as, you know, difficult and challenging as that was. There's something in me that still has the fight and the ability to keep going. Um, And I don't want to be defined by this. Like, I'm not ashamed of it, and it's something that I have and that I will continue to learn to deal with and live with every single day. But at the same time, it's not going to be my breaking point. So it's just the ability to keep pushing on and moving forward and finding a new normal.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Thank you.
0: Is there anything else you want to leave us with? Or if you had to tell something to someone who is in your, who's sitting in that bathtub, like falling down and the water is coming above them and they're losing their will to come out. I mean, I feel like what you just said would have been perfect, but that just organically came up. So if you have something that you would really like to share here.
1: I, I really just think that, you know, leverage tools and resources. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Trust the people in your circle that they will be there for you and support you. And know that there is this whole community of people out there that get it and that have been there and that are willing to listen and to be supportive um, and to share their experiences. Uh, This does not define you. Um, At the end of the day, you are still you, so the things that made you you beforehand don't go away with a diagnosis. Um, This does alter things sometimes, and it may change your life's trajectory a little bit, but it doesn't have to be for the bad. You know, you can turn anything into a positive. Uh, You just have to push through it and, you know, rediscover yourself, find a new normal, and and really don't be afraid to ask for help. And then for anyone else, if you're navigating the space and you're dealing with, like, disclosures and, and meeting people, I think just know who you are and own it. Um, disclose fully and give people an opportunity to make informed decisions. And in anything that you do, I, I strongly believe that you always leave people better than you found them.
0: Ooh, episode title. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Heather. Thank you. This concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. I can be found at www.spfpp.org if you want to connect with me directly. Till next time stay sex positive